good morning, everybody that's left. All the, you know, the rebels have left, so that's good. <clears throat> okay, let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you once again this morning, Lord. Just thank you for this beautiful day you've made for us, Lord. And this day to be in your house, to hear your word, Lord. And I ask you now that we open, open your word, Lord, that we look at it. And Lord, that you open our hearts and our minds as well, Lord. That we take away any distractions or hardness or, or anger or bitterness or, or, or any kind of frustrations or anything that may keep us from hearing your word of God, Lord. And just fill us with this word, Lord, and then maybe it'll change a heart and change a mind and change a life today, Lord. And in Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. All right, guys. So we're going to continue talking about this God that, that we're, we've talked about, you know, how we're supposed to follow God and submit to God and obey God. And, and then we start talking about who is this God that we're supposed to be following. And we're, we're getting deeper into that every week because there's just, there's a lot. A lot to this God. Today we're going to talk about God is holy. God is holy. And like we, when we pray, we say, you know, you know, our holy God or, you know, thank you, our holy father. Or, you know, and we use that word a lot, holy. But do we And that's what we're going to get into today. So let's start off. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. <clears throat> excuse me. In verse 3. And the Bible says, and one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy. Okay, stop right there for a second. Holy, holy, holy. Three times he said holy. See, do you think it's important? And, and if we really got on a, a kind of a side trail, if you look up the number three, what it means in the Bible, it's pretty important, right? Think about it. There's God's a trinity, right? That's three. We're made as a, in his image. We're made a trinity. We're three. You know, everything is threes that, that God likes and, and God's serious about. So we're here. It says, and one cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's God. That's God the Father in heaven. He's holy, holy, holy. And we need to really understand what that is because the world takes that for granted and Christians take that holiness for granted as well. So let's go to Revelations 4.8. Let's look about this, this holiness that we're talking about, this God. Revelations 4.8. The Bible says, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy. There it is again. Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. This, this is in heaven. This is, this is around God's throne. These beasts, day and night, they're there. They don't sleep. They don't do anything. They stay there all night and all day. And they, all they do is praise God, telling him that he's holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And you think about it. It says this God that was and is and is to come. So he's the past, he's the present, and he's the future. We already talked about that. He's everlasting, right? But he's holy, holy, holy. This is our God. No other God. We're talking about one God. This one God that's in heaven. This one God that is the creator of everything is holy. Okay? So what is holiness? Well, the basic idea of the word holy means separation. Okay? 
<coughs> that is to say that God is holy, that means that he is separate from everything else. Okay? God is in heaven on his throne right now, and he's separate from everything else. Okay? That's because he is holy. And why is that? Because he is unique. He's one of a kind. Our God and in heaven, the Almighty Father, is in a class all by himself. Okay? God is above all. You know, we talk about cars, you know, and you have like, you know, these cars fit in this class and all these cars are competing for the to be the top in that class. Right. God doesn't have to compete because there's nobody else or nothing else. No other entity, nothing in class with him. He that's holiness. He is the ultimate. Right. Right. So this is this is kind of true in two ways. Right. God is separate from everything else. In a kind of metaphysical sense, right? And let's look at that. Let's look at Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15. Exodus 15. And let's look at verse 11. 15 verse 11. The Bible says, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, uh, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Okay, let's read 12 too. It says, Thou stretched out thy hand, and the earth stretched out the hand, the earth swallowed them. Okay, he's talking about how great this God is. And, and then right here we see in these verses that there is no other being and, and nothing else like this one God that's in a class by himself. This one almighty God that's in heaven. There's nothing else like him, right? Let's go to Samuel, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel and chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, the Bible says, There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none besides thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Okay, are you getting it? God is completely 100% holy and there is nothing else like him. There's nothing in the class with him and there's nothing else as holy as he is. Okay. We can't understand complete purity because even in, even in, 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 you know, jewelry making or in, in silver and gold, you know, I like to, you know, buy little silver coins, you know, that one day may be valuable. Who knows? But you look on the back of them and it always says 99.9% silver. Why? Because we're humans. We can't attain that 100%. There's always going to be something in there. You know, a piece of dust or, you know, I don't know, a piece of rock or leg off a cockroach. I don't know. When they were making that silver, there's something in there that doesn't make it pure. But God's not that way. He's 100%. There's no impurities, right? So, let's look at uh, 2 Samuel 7, 22. 2 Samuel 7, 22. Second Samuel seven twenty-two. The Bible says, Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God besides thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. So everything that they've heard, everything know everything they've witnessed everything they've experienced 
teaches them that there is nothing else like our God. Nothing. Okay? Let's look at Psalms 71. Psalm 71, verse 19. <clears throat> the Bible says, Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. Okay? Who hath done great things? O God, who is like unto thee? What we're talking about is is um, there is nothing as as righteous as God. He's 100% holy. He's also 100% righteousness. And that goes along with his holiness. And when it says right in that verse, it says very high. You know, you might think very high. What's high? Well, man, uh, Mount Everest is pretty high, right? You know, there's some big skyscrapers that are pretty high. Well, there's planes that go up pretty high. Yeah, well, well, we also have what? That International Space Station is floating around up there that's pretty high. no. This means, if you translate it out, it means to the height of heaven. A heaven that we can't even see. It's so far away, but that's where God's sitting. And that's how his righteousness is. It's that high. Okay. Uh, let's look at Psalm 77, 13. <clears throat> 77, 13 says, the Bible says, Thy way. Whose way? God's way. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Okay? So this verse is telling us what? That there's nothing else. Nothing else. Not a God that man made with their little hands. Or not a stick or a rock that we may, you know, may worship. Right? Nothing. Not another man. Not another entity. Nothing. No being. Nothing as great is that God that's sitting on the throne in heaven right now. Okay? And this is the God that we're supposed to submit to and follow, right? Let's look at Psalms 86. And we're going to get to that about following him. Psalms 86. And let's verse, verses 6 through 8. The Bible says, Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods, there is none like unto thee. O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. Okay. So not only is there no equal to God, there's no equal to his righteousness, no equal to his holiness, no equal to his greatness. There's no equal to the things he's made. And you think about it. It's kind of kind of uh, kind of funny because there's nothing. Nobody else has ever made anything, right? No, our God is the only one that's ever created anything. You might see the headlines, you know, you know, man creates life. Well, not really. They may have copied something, but they use materials that God created. So eh, they didn't create anything, right? There is nothing, nothing, no other works that are like God's. You know, and you have all these other religions that have their little gods. You know, even the ones that, you know, maybe carve out of a, uh, a stone or something. They sit, sit on a shelf. That God has never made anything, never will. Right? Well, let's look at Isaiah 40, 25. <clears throat> Are y'all getting how holy God is? It's pretty holy. Makes you feel really small, doesn't it? Isaiah 40, 25. The Bible says, to whom then will ye liken me or shall I be equal? 
saith the Holy One. Okay, well, here's God asking him, who are you going to liken me to? Who are you going to make me equal to? Because our God, guess what? There is nothing equal to him. Nothing. Remember old Satan, what did he wanted to do? He wanted to be like God, right? He lost. Okay, he lost bad. Okay, there's nothing equal to God. So let's look at Isaiah 46, 9. Just saying, if we're, if we're going to submit our lives to a God and follow a God, we need to know about him, right? Well, let's look at this. Isaiah 46, 9 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God. You get that? I'm not a God or, or not some God. I am God. And there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. So what's God saying? He's saying that there is nothing else, there is nothing or not anything else like him. He is singular. Nothing, nothing has ever been like him. Nothing will ever be like him. Okay? He's that holy. He's that amazing. He's that great. This is God's transcendence, right? His transcendent holiness is the basis for what has been called the creator-creature distinction. Okay? And that means God transcends that of his creation to an infinite degree. So he created us. Well, to an infinite degree, he's way ahead of us, right? He's way out there. Ray out there. So man, you know, we, we might get one day to where we can, and they may have already done it, where we can clone human beings and make another human being, right? But guess what? That human being is going to be just like the person that made it. They're all going to be sinful. They're all going to be weak and falling apart. We are not that way, okay? God, he, he transcends that of his, his creation. And he, you know, any comparison that is made between humans, ourselves, and God is impossible. You know, but I know you've heard it. I've seen I've seen actors and actresses and superstars and whatever they are think they're God. Right. And I think there was one that even said, I don't need God. I'm great without him. I don't remember who it was, but these people in their mind, they think they're so great. And that's what happens to them. They're so full of pride. That they have they have one road and it's a wide path. They're traveling. Right. And it's easy because they're going straight down. But they think they're as great as God. What does Satan want to do? He wanted to be like God, right? Nope. You failed. So let's look at, still in Isaiah, let's go back to Isaiah 40, 18. Isaiah 40, 18 says, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? Okay, one more verse. Let's look at 46, 5. Talking about comparing God, right? 6, 5, the Bible says, To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be alike? No. God is so great that he defies comparison. You can't even, there's nothing you can even think of that, that we could even fathom ever, ever that would be as great as God. You know, back in the ancient times, what did they build? They built the pyramids, right? Oh, they're one of the wonders of the world. Well, they're still not as great as God. You know, we built the Astrodome. It was one of the wonders of the world. Now it's kind of rusting and falling apart. You know, God's not going to ever rust and fall apart. Okay? He's that great. Okay? So there's nothing to compare to him. Isaiah 59, 2. 
Isaiah 59, 2, the Bible says, But your iniquities have separated you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. This is a scary verse. Very scary. God is great. God is amazing. God is holy. God is righteous. He's completely separated from us in that aspect, right? But he loves us, right? God is separate from everything that's immoral and evil. He can't have a part of that because he's that holy. Remember we talked about that silver, 99.9% pure, but that 1% imperfection? No, God can't have that. He's 100%, okay? Everything created by God, everything is tainted by sin. So, however great, if we could obtain 99.9%, we would still be that, that percentage off from being holy like God. Right. Because it's tainted by sin in some way. Every creation is tainted by sin. However, God is perfect and pure. He is completely set apart from sin. OK, so keep that in mind and think about this verse. It says right there that your sin and your iniquities. He hides his face from. So when you're in sin and you've broken that fellowship with God, he doesn't hear you. That's a scary place to be, because what if you need God and he can't hear you? That's pretty scary, isn't it? That's a bad place to be as, as one of his creations. Maybe you should get your sin right and be right with God and have that fellowship. So when you need him, he's there, right? And even when you don't need him, he's there. But that's, that's our God, okay? Let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. 1 John chapter 1. Verse 5, the Bible says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is, here it is, no darkness. And it could have stopped right there, right? It could have stopped right there, but it doesn't. It says no darkness at all, okay? That means it has complete, is completely 100% light, there's no darkness, not even, you know, a little percentage, nothing. He is complete light, right? God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. That's a very powerful verse, at all, okay? Okay, let's go to this one, Habakkuk. I hope I said it right, but probably didn't. And if you're a linguist or you're better than me, then come teach class. So, let's go to this uh, Old Testament prophet. <clears throat> Little bitty book. Uh, Micah, Nahum, almost there. There it is. So, let's look in this chapter. Chapter 1, let's read verses 11 and 12. I'm sorry, 12 and 13. Chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 says... Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, mine holy one? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment. O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art pure, uh, art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look upon iniquity. Wherefore, lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously and hold thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? Wow. God is holy. 
He's so holy, he cannot look upon sin. Holiness in God involves no, not only, his holiness involves not only an absence of evil, right? But also the presence of good. Okay? So he's 100%, right? He's 100% good. He's 100% light. That means there's no darkness. That means there's no evil within him. None. Okay? God never does anything wrong. Man, I wish I could do that. <laughs> God never does anything wrong. I even do things wrong when I'm not even home. <laughs> I could be asleep and get in trouble. Um, but God doesn't do that. He never does anything wrong, right? He always does everything completely right. He does everything completely perfect. Why? Because he's perfectly pure. Imagine that. that. I mean, I can't even wrap my head around that. You know, when, when he, you know, I think about when he's walking in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, every step he took was completely perfect. Everything he did was completely 100% perfect. That's amazing. That's our God, right? So what are some of the results of this great holiness, right? Because God is holy, we should glorify him, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should glorify him not only on Sunday mornings, right? And maybe Wednesday nights if we try to drag ourselves in. No, every waking moment should be glorifying God. Every waking moment. And if you do that, guess what the world's going to see? They're going to see his light in you. And guess what that's called? Witnessing. It's called witnessing, right? So we should glorify him. We should glorify God simply because of who he is. Just because of who he is. Not for what he does for us. Okay, you should glorify him for giving your breath every morning. But that's something he does for you. But you should glorify him just because of who he is. Simply because he is an all powerful God. That's why you glorify him. One hundred percent. Right. So let's look at Revelation 15, 4. Revelation 15, 4. <clears throat> the Bible says, who who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all the nations shall come and worship before thee. For thy, righteous, for thy judgments are made manifest. Okay, so everyone should worship God. Not just because of his holiness alone. I mean, just because of his holiness alone, you should worship God. Without fail, right? Even if you reject God or even if you stand up and you claim that there is no God and that he doesn't exist, guess what happens? One day you will acknowledge his holiness because you'll be on your face in front of him. Right. It says every nation, every people of every tongue, it doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter what culture you come from. It doesn't matter anything. If you're a human being created by God, one day you will face him and you will go, oh, you are a holy God. And you'll have to admit it to him. And it doesn't matter. I don't care what kind of groups you're with and I don't care what your beliefs are. You know, you can deny him all you want, but it's it's still coming. It's still coming. And you don't want to be on that side of the bridge, right? You want to be on the other side of the tracks, I guess it would be. They always say you're which side of the tracks you come from. You know, I want to be on the tracks that the holy God called me to because if you're on the other side of the tracks, not good. Not a good not a good deal. Right. Um, so let's look at. Um, Let's go back to Psalms 99. Psalms 99. You know, and, and thinking about that, 
you know, we're supposed to have that light and we're supposed to be witnessing and glorifying God every day. How many, how many family members do you have that don't know God? They're on the wrong side of the tracks. They're going to be that group right there that's on their face if somebody doesn't talk to them. If you can't get them to come to church and you can't get them to listen, then just keep praying. How many friends do you have? How many coworkers? How many strangers are going to be on that side of the tracks one day? And guess what, Christian? If you're in church and you're serious and you're saved, it's all on you. It's all on you. Psalms 99.5, the Bible says, Exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. Why? For he is holy. Same chapter, verse 9. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill. Why? For the Lord our God is holy. Because God is so completely holy, everyone, everyone should lift him up with praise and worship. Without a doubt. That's how holy he is. Let's go to Exodus 15. Back to Exodus 15. You know, if y'all are, uh, I'm trying to, with my Bible readings and stuff, I'm also trying to read through the Bible in a year, and I printed out that plan, and I gave it out earlier. Uh, I don't know if you're following along, but we just got into Exodus, if you're, if you're reading with me. <clears throat> Exodus 15.1, the Bible says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Okay, why is Moses singing at that moment? Well, if you, if you read your Bible, you know what it just happened in Exodus. They just came out of Egypt, and they went through an ocean on dry ground, and the Egyptians came, and they were going to kill them. They were going to wipe them out. And guess what happened? Eh, God let the ocean go back. Oops. So Moses is singing to him, right? Moses is singing. And let's look at the same chapter, Exodus 15. Let's look at verse 11. The Bible says, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Doing wonders. Our God, Because God is so completely holy, everyone should lift him up with praise and worship, right? And then... We should also uh, glorify him. And what we're talking about here, these two verses, they're singing to God. They're praising God with song, right? Well, let's look at Revelation. And, and they did it way back in Exodus. Let's look at Revelation chapter 15. What's going to happen in the end, right? Revelation 15, 11. I'm sorry, 15, 15 verses 3 and 4. The Bible says, And they sing. The song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou, art, thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest." What are they doing? They're singing to God. They're glorifying God with song because of his holiness, because of his holiness. You know, this morning I was sitting here waiting, you know, for pastor and, and mama to get here. And mama walked in. Guess what she was doing? She was singing. She was singing to God. 
You know, and she started telling me how she likes to sing the little kids songs that we learned in Sunday school. And those are great songs because they glorify God. And they're simple enough for, you know, old people to remember. <clears throat> Not saying you're old, Mom. But we should glorify God with our singing. Let's go to 1 Samuel. And, you know, if you have God in your heart, you're going to have that joy. You're just going to sing. You know, like Mama was saying, she's just vacuuming the house, singing like a crazy woman. But she's singing to God because he's filling her with that joy, right? And that joy comes from his holiness. 2 Samuel chapter 2. I'm sorry, 1 Samuel. I'm getting there. 1 Samuel chapter 2. And let's read 1 and 2. The Bible says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none besides thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Wow. Wow, right? So what are we looking at here? We're, we're, we should glorify God. Why? For his holiness with prayer. With prayer. So singing and prayer, we exalt him, we magnify him. Because God is holy, we should acknowledge our unholiness, right? Because we're worthless standing in him. The reason we don't fully understand just how sinful we are and how, why most people don't see him, you know, they, you ask them, are you a good person? Yeah, I'm a good person. And then you start going through the list of sins and they hit almost every one of them, right? We don't see that because we don't fully understand how holy God is. If you can understand God is 100% holy, you will understand that you're probably 99.9% .9 unholy. Compared to him, we're nothing, right? We're dust, right? And, and think about it. Are we talking about glorifying him in prayer? What the world, when do, what does most people, even Christians, I'm including Christians, all the people on this planet, when do they pray to God? When they're in trouble. When something bad has happened or something's coming bad, Oh, God, help me. And God's like, I ain't heard from you in like six years. Now you're going to pray? Remember we talked about living in sin, he doesn't hear you? It's not a good time when you're in trouble that you need to call on him, right? What else, when else do they pray? They pray to him. I see the world, they pray to him as a friend instead of a God. You know, he's their buddy. You know, bless you. They, they pray to him like, you know, he's just some friend. You know, we're going to go out and, and have a cold Dr. Pepper together. You know, or they, their prayer life is they're on the way to work and they're driving and they're, oh, I've got to pray. No, he's holy. So take some time out of your day to get on your knees in the quiet somewhere and talk to him. OK, he's holy. He's not your best friend. He don't you don't flip him on speakerphone and talk to him while you're driving. Right. And guess what else people like to do? And this is a big church in Houston. They'll teach this. They pray to God like he's an ATM. Give me money. Give me a new car. Give me a big house. You know, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And he can, but he's not going to give you what you want. He's going to give you what you need, what he provides for you and what you come to him and you tell him, I'm thankful for that. That's what he's going to give you. You know, if he wants me to have a Ferrari, man, there'll be a Ferrari sitting outside when I leave church today. But if he doesn't, that's his choice. You know, but you should pray to him and we don't. We are, prayer, even in, in the Christians, is a joke. We don't do it enough. We don't do it holiness. We don't deal with this holiness. We don't do it right. It's just a, it's just a oh, I got to say it. Oh, thank you for these tacos, Lord. Let's eat. You're blowing it. 
You're blowing it. That should be part of your fellowship with him. It should draw you closer to him. And, and, and it, should, it should just be such a strong thing, such a strong, this should be the strongest relationship you have in your life. Even over your spouse and over your children, this should be the one relationship that is stronger because that's what it's going to get you through, right? When that trouble comes, that's what's going to get you through. Sorry, side note. Let's keep moving. Let's go to Job 417. Job 417. Is anybody seeing him holy yet? He is. If you don't see it, maybe you're too blind for glasses or something. I don't know. 417, the Bible says, Shall mortal man be more than just than more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? The answer is no. But let's go to Matthew 548. And let's look at this one because this goes along with it. Matthew 548. Look at all these verses together. They support each other. Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Okay, now this perfection, little side note here, doesn't mean you're going to be sinless. Bless you, because we're going to sin. We're born in sin, we're going to sin. Okay, but are you striving not to sin, right? So it's not talking about sinless. This is talking about perfect. That means that you're complete. And what are you complete in? Not completing your works, right? No, it's not about works. You're complete in God's love. If you're saved, you're complete in God's love because he sent his son to die for you out of love. Now you're in his love and you're complete. That's the perfectness it's talking about. Now, if you have that love, guess what? You've got to give that love to everybody else. Jesus taught us even our enemies, even our enemies, right? So look at this. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. In verses 15 and 16, the Bible says, But as, as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And that conversation, that means conduct. Okay? Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. This is what God expects out of Christians, okay? You are supposed to try, strive to be holy like God. He knows you're going to miss the mark. You can't make 100%. We know that. But are you striving or you just don't care? This is the holy God, right? Or, or, or we forget that God, we forget sometimes that God's standard is his holiness, not our idea of holiness, right? Because if we do it by our idea of holiness, guess what? We just created our own God. Because we're not following the God that's complete holy, right? Maybe we're following a God that's only 98% holy. No, you have to follow a God that's 100% holy. And he expects you to strive for that holiness. He expects you to strive for that perfection, right? He expects you to be there. And when we begin to understand just how holy this God is... Guess what? Our response should be one where we realize how unholy we are compared to him. That's what brings you to the point of gain, saying that, man, I'm a sinner and I'm pretty worthless. And even if you're a Christian and you're saved and you, you're dealing with some sin and you're kind of maybe you're getting used to it. Well, you need to look, stand up and look at that holy God again and go, oh, I'm, I'm sin. I'm sinful. 
I'm unholy. I have no holiness. So if, you, if somebody asks you, are you a good person? Say no, because you're not. You're not, okay? <clears throat> Where's that? Second Peter, First Peter. Let's go to Isaiah again. Isaiah 6. I mean, you, you, we have to understand just how much holiness we're talking about for this God. Isaiah 6, 5. The Bible says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Okay, that means I'm destroyed. Okay, because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. This is us. This is our world right here. But this was way back then. For mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Who is this? This is Isaiah. What's he doing? Isaiah's confessing what? He's confessing that he's destroyed. He's undone because he's seen the holy God. He saw God and he saw he's 100 percent holy. And then he looked at himself and did a self-examination. Right. And he goes, I'm worthless. Yeah, my lips are unclean and I live in a world of people with unclean lips. Is that not today? Yeah. That's today. Guess what? That was from the very beginning of time and it will be all the way to the end. Christians, you'll have unclean lips and you'll live in a world of unclean lips. Because he's that holy. And you need to be able to look at yourself and go, I'm wrong. I've sinned. I've not sinned only against God. I've sinned. I mean, I'm not only sinned against God, I've sinned against other people. That's when you do the self-examination and you realize you're wrong. You are wrong, right? <clears throat> that's, that's that holiness, right? And you can't do that if you have pride. Pride is a, that's why God speaks so much against pride because pride will keep you to the point to where you go, I'm okay. I'm not wrong. They're wrong, right? That's pride and that will keep you from this holiness, right? Um, let's look at Luke chapter 5. Luke 5, 8 and 9. Luke chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at all that were with him, and all that were with him, at the draught of fishes which they had taken. Jesus came right and he did a miracle right in front of him and G and Peter at that moment realized this is a 100% holy God and what did he say he said God get away from me because I'm sinful that's humbleness right that's humility right there that is Peter's response to God because of his humility not pride if Peter had pride he would have went wow look at all those fishes we just pulled in no, you didn't pull them in. God put them in your net, right? He realized that this is a holy God and that caused Peter to see God and admit to God his holiness. But because of that, he had to also see and admit his unholiness. And that's where we need to be. And we probably need to do that on an everyday basis, right? When you get up, you pray to God. God, help me today, you know, whatever you're going to pray for. But you need to realize there's 100% holy God, and here you are starting off the day, and you're not 100%. Okay? But you can't have pride. You've got to have humility, right? And our response to, to God, to God's holiness, should be the exact same that Isaiah and Peter just showed us. Right? So let's look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. 
And let's look at verses, <coughs> excuse me, 15 and 16. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 says, But as, as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. We talked about this conduct right here. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Right? Matthew 5, 48 again. Let's look at this one. We're going back to them because they're important to understand this holy God. 548 says, be ye therefore perfect. We said that even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect because God is holy. We should be holy ourselves. Now, we can't be 100 percent holy, but we should be striving for it. Right. This includes not only absence of vice, but but also the presence of virtue in you. Absence of sin, the presence of holiness, right? Sin is not just a matter of, of commission, but it's also omission. Okay? Right. You can commit a sin, but you can also be sinning by omission. And that's a scary place. And I think we Christians find themselves there a lot, you know, because they get comfortable. And maybe a little bit of pride sneaks in, right? But let's look, look at some more of these. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Good morning, y'all. Philippians chapter 3. And let's read 12 through 14. Let me get there. Philippians chapter 3 and verses 12 through 14. The Bible says, Not as though I had already attained Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. You hear that? You're striving for that holiness, right? And like, like we had in, in Matthew 5, 48, it says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Because God is holy, we need to strive to be holy ourselves. Okay? We are going to sin, but are we striving for that holiness? Are we striving for that holiness? And this includes not only, you know, like I said, you know, the sin that's in you, but you, you've got to step away from that, right? And, and let's look at 2 Corinthians 7, 1. One more verse that's with this. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. And why are we striving for this holiness? 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. You hear that? Flesh and spirit. Perf perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So we, God is completely pure. He's completely 100% holy. Christians should be characterized by the relentless pursuit of this perfection that he has. We are striving for his holiness every day. And that we need to be confident that even though we won't attain this goal in life, we know we can't attain it, but we're still working for it. Because guess what? One day we'll be in heaven and guess what we're going to have? We're going to have his complete holiness. We'll be there. 
we'll be there, right? And not only, not that we may not have already obtained, you know, or, or we can't obtain that perfection, right? But we need to press on that we can lay hold of that which, which Christ has already given us. We need to hold on to that. We need to strive for that. 1 John chapter 3, two more verses. Two more verses, come on. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Beloved, now we, the sons of God, and it, ha and it doth not yet appear that what we shall be, but we appear, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath, hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Okay, so Christians are child, children of God, right? And it, we, he's not appeared, not appeared yet to us, right? But we know that when he does appear, we will be like him. Why? Because we will see him as he is. We will see that 100% holiness. Just like Isaiah and Peter, they saw it, right? And everyone who has this hope, this hope fixed on Jesus, I mean, on, on the Lord Jesus Christ, they purify themselves. That means we're striving. We're striving to be pure like God, Right? In 2 Corinthians, let's read this one more. Is it time? Oh, it's beyond time, isn't it? Oh, well. 2 Corinthians 6. You're going to have to listen to this one more. Because this is just amazing, these verses. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Okay? And I'm going to read to the first of chapter 7. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us us. Raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I not then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that man that a man is without the body but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body what know ye not that your body is the temple of the holy ghost which is in you which ye have of god and ye are not your own for ye are bought with a price therefore glorify god in your body and in your spirit which are god's now concerning these things whereof you wrote unto me it is good for a man not to touch a woman Okay, that's this world, though. We're out touching women all the time. Men are touching women. Women are touching men. Right. But God's holiness is, is, is the basis behind the doctrine we know is separation. We're separate. We're separated from God because he's 100 percent holy and we're not. Because God is so holy, he stays separate from sin. He cannot look on sin. And if you've got sin, he doesn't hear you. Right. But we're his children. So we need to do everything we can in our ability to draw close to him and to separate ourselves from sin. He separated us. He separated from us because of our sin. So we need to separate ourselves from sin so we can draw close to him because he's that holy. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today, Lord. I thank you for this moment to open your Bible and hear your words, Lord, and I hope it was plain and clear, Lord, that you're holy and, and we're not. And, and it, if you're a Christian, Lord, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you need to let down your pride, Lord, and, and, and get away from all the things that are keeping you from him, Lord, and strive for his holiness every single day, Lord. 
I ask you just to be with us today as we continue to, to worship you and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Bye.